Prepositions describe the relationship between two words. Did you know that? How many of you remember your days back in grammar school learning a whole list of prepositions? Probably not many of us. We use them so often we don't even think of them, and they're all those little tiny words in English. It's native to our tongues, and so we just rattle them off without having to think twice. In, by, with, from. The list could go on and on, but today I want you to notice this little preposition of, O-F, two letters, of. Of shows the relationship between two things, as in the daughter of Zion or the daughter of Jerusalem. Prepositions describe the relationship between two words, and if you're still awake with me, good for you. The preposition of describes a relationship of possession. The daughter of Zion belongs to Zion. The daughter of Jerusalem belongs to Jerusalem. The daughter of pastor belongs to pastor. You get the point, right? It's like an apostrophe S. Daughter of Zion means Zion's daughter. So far, so good. But today, I want to do away with that preposition. Today, I want to eliminate that little preposition of from daughter of Zion. I want to get rid of the apostrophe S when we hear about Jerusalem's daughter because, honestly, it's not actually there. Oh, it's there in your bulletin. You can look at that phrase from our introit. You can see that it says, say to the daughter of Zion. But if you read Hebrew and if you read Greek, that word is not there. And I'm glad it's not there, because I don't care for that preposition. Now, sometimes it's good to show possession, and prepositions, of course, are important. And if you're learning grammar right now, you should memorize your prepositions, and you should understand exactly the relationship that prepositions show. But today, the Lord wants to give us something better, something better than belonging to Zion or belonging to Jerusalem. Just think of the difference. Can you hear the difference? If I call you the daughter of Zion compared with if I call you Daughter Zion. I don't know if you get the point, so let me just kind of make it explicit. God is not saying to his people, you belong to Zion, you belong to Jerusalem. He's saying, you belong to me. Instead of using a preposition in their Daughter of Zion, the Lord speaks to his people in these dear, tender terms. He uses this term of endearment, Daughter Zion. God calls you his daughter. Even those of you who are sons, the Lord calls daughters. That's far better than a, ter- than a preposition, isn't it? A term of endearment that fathers with daughters can surely relate to this morning. It's a term of endearment, do you understand, that shows the relationship, just like a preposition does, but it shows it in a way that we can actually love instead of just saying, oh, I think I'm supposed to circle the preposition and underline the object. I forget how you're supposed to diagram these things. Forget about diagramming the sentence this morning and hear the Lord speak to you and call you his dear little girl. Daughter Zion. Daughter Jerusalem is the Lord's own daughter. And such is the way that the Holy Spirit describes your relationship to God, not with a preposition, but with a term of endearment. 
And that term of endearment is loaded, isn't it? Those of you who have daughters in the room can tell us about the love between a father and his daughter. That love comes out in many different ways. One of the ways is just using these little terms of endearment. I don't call hardly my, my daughters hardly ever do I actually use their full names. I call them by all kinds of little pet names, little nicknames. And such is the love that our Lord has for us. He doesn't insist on using our full name all the time, though sometimes he needs to, but he calls us his little girl. He calls us his daughter. And that expresses a closer relationship, doesn't it, than simply saying, daughter of Zion. What I want you to see today is how God calls you his daughter and everything that is compressed down into that. And so you can look at your antiphon there in the intro. It say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your salvation comes. I don't know if you ever look at these things, but um, in the little margin here, it tells you where we get that verse from in the Bible. And this verse is actually kind of a Frankenstein's monster of a verse. You can see there it says that the introit comes from Psalm 80, but the antiphon, that's the part that I sing at the beginning and the end, that comes from all kinds of places. Isaiah 62, Isaiah 30, a couple different verses. It's as if the church has plucked apart from here and apart from there and apart from here and then shoved them all together. And it gets the point across, doesn't it? Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your salvation comes. The Lord will cause his majestic voice to be heard, and you shall have gladness of heart. That verse is actually written around the ring of our Advent wreath. It's beautiful, isn't it? But if you actually look those verses up in the Bible, if you don't take Frankenstein's monster, but you take the pieces apart and look them up in their original context, it's even better. See, what the antiphon verse kind of conveys is the Lord will speak to us like a father speaking to his daughter, and it will be a lovely thing. You will have joy when you hear the majestic voice of the Lord. But here's what it says if you actually look up those verses. Isaiah 62, say to daughter Zion, behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense is before him. If you look up Isaiah 30, verse 30, you'll hear this. And the Lord will cause his majestic voice to be heard. We have that in our antiphon. And the descending blow of his arm to be seen in furious anger and a flame of devouring fire with a cloudburst and storm and hailstones. I wonder why we don't sing that verse. <laughs> if you look up Isaiah 30, verse 29, where you get this gladness of heart, bit of our antiphon, you hear this. You shall have a song in the night when a holy feast is kept and gladness of heart as when one sets out to the sound of the flute to go to the mountain of the Lord, the rock of Israel. Now, when fathers speak with their daughters, there's often a lot of playfulness, isn't there? When fathers speak with their daughters, there is a tenderness in their voices. But what these verses in their original context point out is that God protects his dear daughter, daughter with ferocity. I don't know if you've ever experienced that as a dad. In my house, it works this way. It's just playful in the house right now because thankfully my daughters have never been in much danger. But when the kids are goofing around and horsing around, as kids do, sometimes it happens that little Abby gets attacked. 
And when little Abby gets attacked, she comes running to her dear father. And we have a saying in the house, nobody messes with Abby. And when I say those words, the rest of the kids go and run and hide because they know that daddy protects little Abby. That's what these verses are saying to you, God's people. Your father in heaven loves his dear little daughter. And part of that love means that when someone comes and picks on his daughter, he says, nobody messes with Abby. And he comes with power. He comes with might. He comes with a majestic voice that brings joy and happiness to his people, but strikes terror in the hearts of his enemies. Because nobody messes with daughter Zion. Now, when Isaiah prophesied that, there was a lot of messing around with daughter Zion. You may not be all that familiar with this story, but in the Bible, it's actually told in three different places. It's written in the book of Isaiah, it's written in the book of 2 Kings, and it's written in the book of 2 Chronicles, which are all books of the Bible that we usually don't read much, do we? But there you will find a story of a wicked king who came and assaulted the daughter of Zion. And there you will find a story of how the Lord said to that king, nobody messes with my daughter. The story goes like this. There is this empire called Assyria. Any of you history nerds can, will know for sure that Assyria was known for being powerful. They were mighty in battle. And when the Assyrian king came down to Jerusalem, he first came through the northern kingdom and he sent them into exile. He sent the northern kingdom into exile, and then he surrounded Jerusalem, and the handwriting was on the wall, and everybody knew this is really bad because this king, his name was Sennacherib, is really powerful. And in the text of scripture, you get this wonderful um, trash talk. You know, trash talk is okay. The Bible is full of it. You get this wonderful trash talk where the king of, of Assyria, Sennacherib, sends his little minion, who's called the Rab Shakah. You all know this story, right? He sends the Rab Shakah to Jerusalem to deliver a message, and the message goes basically like this. You're all doomed. My king, the king of Assyria, is going to come and wipe you out. And so in little Jerusalem, the king, Hezekiah, goes to the prophet Isaiah and says, hey, Isaiah, we're all in really big trouble. Could you maybe, you know, intercede for us and get God to come and help us? And Isaiah comes back with this wonderful message to Hezekiah and all the people of Jerusalem. Say to daughter Zion, say to daughter Jerusalem, nobody messes with my girl. And if you know the rest of the story, you can go home and read it in three different places. That should be a clue. This must be important if it's written down in three different places. You can read how God delivered his daughter Zion in a single night. He struck down the enemy in a single night. Now, God protects his daughter of old with ferocity. And what we hear Jesus speaking of today is the very same thing. Except now he's not speaking of old Jerusalem. Now he's not speaking of old Zion. But now Jesus is speaking of his dear daughter, of his dear people, you, his holy church. This gospel reading is full of strange things, isn't it? There will be signs in sun and moon and stars. The earth will be full of distress and perplexity. The seas will be roaring and the waves and the people will be fainting with fears, just like they were when Sennacherib surrounded Jerusalem. But when you see all these things happening, Jesus says, don't worry. 
God has not forgotten you. Your father in heaven has not forgotten his little daughter. He will say the very same thing that he said to his daughter Zion of old. Daughter Zion and daughter Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Fear not, for I am your reward. I am your salvation, and I will take care of your enemies. And it actually came to pass, you know. All these things that Jesus talked about, the city of Jerusalem was surrounded by the Roman army and it was a terrible time and there was distress and shaking and all kinds of things were falling apart that used to seem so sturdy. Maybe you know what that feels like. But what was happening, what was happening was that the Lord was delivering his church. This is how Jesus portrays for us the final day. Not as everything being out of control and going to hell in a handbasket, which is the kind of way that we talk, isn't it? Nothing is staying where it should stay. Everything's falling apart. Nothing works like it used to work. This is what we are saying every day, all the time. But Jesus is saying, don't worry, for your day of redemption is drawing near. Jesus says that when you see these things happening, when you see these signs all around you, you aren't to lose heart. You aren't supposed to faint. That's what the rest of the nations do. That's what King Sennacherib does. But daughter Zion, daughter Jerusalem knows that there is a God in heaven, that there is a son of man seated on the throne who loves his little girl. And he will not let his people, he will not let his people be destroyed. See, God protects his dear daughter with ferocity, but he also, and fathers do this for their little girls too, he provides for his dear daughter on the other side of that ferocity. It happened in King Hezekiah's day that Jerusalem had a bit of a revival. After King Sennacherib was sent away, the city of Jerusalem under King Hezekiah had a time of peace. It had a time of prosperity. And it happened in the first century that after the city of Jerusalem was torn down and the temple was destroyed, guess what happened to the church? It actually grew, right? The apostles were no longer under all kinds of intense persecution from their own countrymen, and so the gospel went out into the whole world. It happens, doesn't it? That when our Lord acts to deliver us, it might be rather fierce, things might be all shaken up, but he always provides for his people. And I hope that you've experienced that in the last couple of years. If you haven't, the time is not too late. For heaven and earth may pass away and the powers of the heavens may be shaken and the civilizations of men may all come crumbling down. But what does Jesus say? The word of the Lord endures. Heaven and earth may pass away, but my words will not pass away. You see what happens when we go through these world upheavals? Do you see what happens when the powers of the heavens are shaken? It's not that God has lost control of things. He's the one doing the shaking. And the reason that he shakes things is so that what is unshakable may come in place of what is shakable. So we have kind of experienced something like this, haven't we? We have kind of experienced what it's like when institutions that we used to trust in come shaking down. We've come to experience when a, a way of life that seemed normal and ordinary and you could count on it and it would be sure and certain gets all in upheaval. God shakes these things so that your faith, your trust, your hope, your confidence, your peace, your security would not be put in things that are shakable 
but in his unshakable word. For God protects his dear daughter with ferocity, and God establishes for his dear daughter on the other side of deliverance. And so I can't tell you how many people have told me, Pastor, it's not that I'm glad that COVID happened. It's not that I'm happy that we went through some kind of a pandemic, but something weird happened to me. I started to take God's word more seriously. I started to read my Bible more regularly. I started to think about the life of the church as like, you know, essential to who I am and my peace and my happiness and my whole way of life. And for that, I don't apologize. It's a good thing that these things get shaken up. It was a good thing that Jerusalem was leveled by the Romans because it meant that the, pe- that the church could have peace and security. It meant that they could set their eyes beyond just their own survival. And I think the same thing is going on around us now. The same thing still happens. For yes, it will be on the last day that there will be this final act of deliverance. It will be at the end when God will say to his daughter, now you have no more enemies. But he brings that into time too, doesn't he? In different times and places, our Lord, the Son of Man in heaven, acts with ferocity to save daughter Zion, daughter Jerusalem, who has become his very own bride. And when he does that, when he does that, he establishes her in a new way. Now, I can't tell you exactly what that's going to look like for us. I don't pretend to understand the next three years and to say, hey, just wait. In three years, this place is going to be bustling. In three years, this place is going to be so full of people that you're going you're to have to get to, er- to church 30 minutes early to reserve your pew. I kind of doubt that's going to happen. But what I know is this. When your faith is galvanized on the things that don't pass away, When you put your hope more and more in the words of the Lord Jesus and not in the words of those outside, then you grow in strength. Then you can even say to your father sometimes, hey, dad, I've got this one. Let me handle it for myself. I'm a big girl now. I can do it myself. Those words are often spoken in my house as well. Jesus tells us what it looks like to be a big girl this morning, and it's kind of odd, you know, it's almost comedic, that in the middle of all this stuff about the world falling apart, here's what Jesus says that you're supposed to do. He says, don't get drunk, don't be dissipated, and pray. Don't get drunk, don't get weighed down with the cares of this life that are all passing away, and instead, pray. That seems almost too simple, doesn't it? Shouldn't there be like a a five-page document about all the things we need to be prepared for when the world falls apart? Don't you think there should be some kind of super secret mission, something really important like exposing all the nefarious things that the government is up to? Don't you think there should be something like that? But instead, Jesus says, hey, just calm down, okay? Trust me. Lay off the booze. Don't be drunk Don't be dissipated. Don't be caught up in things that do you no good. Instead, pray. Pray that you would be delivered and that you may stand before the Son of Man. Now just think of what would happen if you prayed for that every morning. Dear Father in heaven, make me to stand in the kingdom of the Son of Man. Dear Father in heaven, make me to be strong for the kingdom of the Son of Man. Dear Heavenly Father, make me to be a little beacon of light in the midst of this dark world. I'll tell you what would happen if you prayed that way. God would say, okay, you got it. 
Because you know what fathers love to do for their little daughters? They love to give them things, and especially the things that they promise to give them. So pray, just like Jesus says. Don't lose your head, don't lose your cool, don't freak out, don't lose your mind, but instead pray that you may escape from whatever dangers you have to face and pray that you may stand in the kingdom of the Son of Man. Because already now, here's the good news, already now you have a place in the Son of Man's kingdom. The Son of Man is on the throne. He has ascended in the clouds. He rules over all things and he says, in my kingdom, I give grace, I give mercy, I give peace, I give forgiveness, I give hope, I give light, I give joy. I will give all these things. And you already now stand in that kingdom. So pray more and more that you may stand before the Son of Man and just see, just see how your Father in heaven calls back to you. You got it, daughter Zion. You got it, daughter Jerusalem. For I love you like a father loves his own daughter. To Christ be the glory.